0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The parable of the Great Supper teaches us that we must come when Jesus calls us, and that there are consequences if we do not come. It is easy to misunderstand this parable as a general teaching about evangelism. The parable is addressed specifically to God's own people, God announced the coming of a great feast in the Old Testament, the coming of a future messianic era. As Isaiah 25 says, quote, the Lord of hosts will make for all people the feast of choice pieces, a feast of wine on the leaves, of fat things full of marrow. Jesus came to announce that the feast was at hand. It was time to come. He began his ministry with the words, quote, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But most of the people did not repent. Most of Israel, who had supposedly been preparing for the Messiah, did not respond to him when he actually came. Consequently, their invitations were revoked and invitations were given to others. And in the parable, this represents Uh, other certain classes of people. The streets and lanes of the city are the non-observant Jews who were seen as outside of, of the righteous. They are now being called into the kingdom. And then in the highways and hedges, these are the Gentiles to whom the gospel goes after it was rejected by his chosen people. But all the invited guests were Jews. They were all supposedly waiting for the Messiah to come. And so the application is obviously parallel for us. We worship Christ, and we are waiting for the Messiah to come again in glory. We've been baptized into him. We observe the various traditions of our faith. So when Christ comes, he will find us ready to respond to him. Right? The question is, when Jesus comes, or when we come to Jesus in death, will he find us prepared for the kingdom? Will he find that we are responding to the things he wants us to do? As Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? There's a problem with sermons that talk about the coming of Jesus. It is easy to get excited for moments or seasons of time and based on that excitement to do things differently for you know a few weeks or maybe we can extend it out for a month but eventually our enthusiasm will wane we cannot live a faithful christian life on the basis of enthusiasm or emotional energy this is why movements that focus on the imminent second coming of Jesus invariably fade over time because they just cannot maintain that level of enthusiasm indefinitely. And this is true of every aspect in life. The things you do effectively and well, you do because you have a commitment to doing them whether you feel like doing them or not. If you maintain an exercise program to keep yourself in shape. It'll only work if you do it when you don't feel like doing it, but do it anyway. And woe to the child whose parents decide to love and care for her only when they feel like it. There is a tension between the habitual and the relational aspect of our faith. On the one hand, Our practice of the faith needs a pattern or a rule, some structure, when we're going to pray, how we're going to pray. We can't just pray when we feel like it. On the other hand, our practice of the faith cannot become merely a series of religious activities, the external activities we do that are somehow divorced from our interior world, our heart. We live in union with the Father through the Son in the Spirit. So we need rule and pattern, and yet we also need to find a way to bring our heart into that practice. But this tension exists in all relationships. Marriage and friendship, for example, both require certain forms of liturgy. The relationship partners must seek the good of the other in habitual ways when they don't feel like doing it. If the relationship liturgy however, become merely a form of grudging service, the relationship will struggle. But if the relational patterns are abandoned altogether, the relationship won't do very well in that case either. So the key to our practice of the faith is allowing our habits to change us habitually, to invest our hearts in what we habitually do not to have a separation between our outward actions and our interior world. One thing we habitually do is we gather for the Eucharist every Sunday. That's a central habit of our faith. And one thing we need to do to respond to invitations is to take what the liturgy tells us seriously. And each week when we gather, we are told what we have to do to prepare for the Great Supper. Ye who do truly and earnestly repent you of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God. So as we come habitually to hear this each week, we must hear it in a new way from the heart each week. How has our behavior been unfaithful in the past week? What have we done wrong that we need to confess and change? Are we in love and charity with our neighbors? If we are not, then we need to forgive those against whom we are harboring grudges, and we need to ask forgiveness of those we have wronged. We need to work on those relational tensions that we have in our families and other places. And how will our behavior be new and different in the coming week? How will we live a new life? If we truly and earnestly repent of our sins, what's going to be different? Every week we won't necessarily have a major change in all aspects of our life, but as we go through these habits of faith and and think just in minor ways, what do we need to do? What are we working on? What are we growing in? What does our confession consist of this week? How will our behavior be different? If that's a habit of life from the heart, we will gradually grow more and more in in our practice of the faith, in our faithfulness, in our response to Christ. We pray that we will do all such good works as God has prepared for us to walk in. What good works are those? What form does your ministry take in life as a member of the body of Christ? How are you reaching out to love others? We need to learn to look for the image of Christ in those we see every day, Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it unto me. Recognizing Christ in other people doesn't make it easy to respond to an invitation. In fact, it makes it harder. Some people are hard to love. And the implications of love in daily life are not always clear. For example, how are we to respond to the homeless we see regularly who are asking for money? Simply emptying our pockets for them is not the answer, but what is? How do we love? How are we to respond to the difficult person we see and have to interact with at the office every day, or the difficult person we see in our family every day? The demands of love are hard. That's why we avoid them. We'd rather just give some money and be done with it. But when we wrestle each day with the difficulties inherent in the command to love and make that a subject of our prayer and and trying to discern what God is calling us to do in response to certain situations, we begin to be disciples. We begin to respond to the invitation to come to the feast. In summary, we respond to the invitation by taking our religion seriously as we practice it. As we do our daily prayers and come to our weekly liturgies, we respond to Jesus by uh, treating him as though he really is the son of God, our creator and our judge, and as though he really wants and expects us to do the things he tells us to do. And this means, above all things, we must be willing to change. And that's kind of the Central thing to the tension between our the relational part of our faith and our habits. We have to develop habits that lead us to change, not habits that just lead us into this, doing the same old thing. Our habits of prayer should be the way we encounter Christ regularly in a way that causes us to change who we are and how we approach life. So the question for today in light of the parable of the Great Supper is, How is Jesus calling you to change in your life right now? Or, come, for all things are now ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.